Proverbs teaches that the path of the just is as the shining light and shineth more and more unto the perfect day. It also warns that the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. At its core, the book of Proverbs offers us a chance to ponder the path of our feet, to choose the wisdom of God over the myopic foolishness of men. It seems only natural then that the book to follow is Ecclesiastes, a collection of challenging thoughts and questions not entirely uncommon for man to ask, particularly in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. Pondering to me means really studying something out in my mind and asking the question, why? Why does it happen? But I can't do it by myself. When I ponder and study about something, I need God's help. So prayer plays a big, important role in my pondering. Pondering to me is focusing um, on, you know, whatever I'm trying to ponder. Um, so that means just blocking everything else out and kind of just really digging into whatever that thought is and kind of exploring it. For me, pondering is when I'm thinking about something actively and I take a thought with me through my day. You know, sometimes you'll read something or hear something from a talk that just piques your interest and you go throughout your day and continue to just think on that and things happen to teach you much further than when you were actually reading or listening to that. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Today's discussion topics come from our studies in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And the first topic is, ponder the path of thy feet. And the second topic is, this sore travail hath God given. And joining us for our discussion today is one of our scholars, Melissa Inouye. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks. I always feel super welcome here. Uh, Melissa is a historian with the Church History Department, and our special guest today is Aubrey Chavez. Aubrey, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Aubrey hosts a podcast called Faith Matters with her husband, Tim. They are raising four children and are successful entrepreneurs. We're excited to hear from both of you. All right, well, let's get into it. Our first topic of the day is ponder the path of thy feet. What does that even mean, and why is that relevant to studying the book of Proverbs? Well, when I think about it, I think sometimes we are just kind of like mindlessly going in some direction, like those like wind-up toys where you go, <laughs> and you like put them down, and they go, <laughs> and sometimes I feel like we just kind of get stuck on a track, and I think that proverb is telling us, you know, don't, don't just like mindlessly walk in a direction, just pay attention to where you're going. So this topic we're discussing, it's an actual proverb within the book of Proverbs uh, in the fourth chapter, verse 26. Correct me if I'm wrong, Melissa. I feel like this is kind of the overall summary of what the book of Proverbs is telling us. Ponder the path, be, be smart. Think before you speak, think before you act. I wanna ask you the same uh, question, Aubrey. What does that mean to this phrase, ponder the path of thy feet? So the thing that actually really stood out to me in this verse in particular is that it, it isn't ponder the destination or ponder your success or ponder your goals or where you're going. And I, I feel like a lot of times when I'm creating lists, that's all I'm thinking about is like, what, what does success actually look like? And that's what feels most important. And this felt like a reminder to consider the actual journey and to, to think about what, what the actual walk looks like. That felt reassuring to me because I think there are a lot of like the older I get in the more stages of life I, I approach, like motherhood, the more I realize I just don't 
know the answers. Like, I haven't done this before. And it's scary to not really know what success looks like perfectly. And so I can ponder the path. I can ponder what I have to do today and make sure that I do that intentionally. And that feels uh, like kind of a relief because it's something that I can do, you know, in the moment. So I, I felt like it was kind of this call to be a little bit more reflective. And I think in the church especially, we're really good at the doing, mm. at, at like that list making. And we have, you know, we have manuals and we know exactly what our calling requires of us. And we know exactly what family home meetings should be structured like. And like there, there's a lot of ways that we could make lists. And I, I think this felt like a call to be more contemplative and to be still and to, to um, find some time to just think about this is what you want your path to look like. I like that. It, where is the wisdom in pondering before just jumping right into, even though your intentions may be good, before jumping right into doing something. Right, yeah. I, I almost feel like this has become sort of a cultural phenomenon too, that, that as soon as you hear, even, even reading a headline, I feel like it's becoming so normal to, to have an instant opinion. And before mm. you have any information, and I, I think we do that in our church lives, but we also do it just you know, scrolling through social media or in a conversation with a friend that I recognize moments in myself where I like immediately tighten up and I really don't even have a, a, a full like grasp on, on whatever the topic is. And so I think that the real wisdom here is, is pause. Like okay. pause, don't even have an opinion yet. Like pause and be curious and gather information before you, before you charge forward down a path. Uh, what about from the audience? I love your thoughts on the first topic of ponder the path of thy feet. Tino. So I'm a truck driver, and when I was first beginning, there's a, this whole path and uh, needing to navigate to a certain situation or an endpoint is really important in, log in logistics. And so I found out the importance of uh, making sure uh, your direction is more important and uh, understanding what that commitment is. And I think that's a lot like in life or like in business or in families is sometimes you have to stop and you know, connect and realign with Heavenly Father and realize that uh, getting there to Heavenly Father with our family requires us to really think about that. It's, uh, it's not just uh, a drive, but it's also uh, being mindful of what you're committing to. And I think that's a great example and it fits in perfect with this. So have you been able to make some specific connections to that example of, you know, mapping out your route, you know, when you're driving a truck to mapping out your life in a spiritual sense? And if so, what are some of those things that you're doing to ponder spiritually? Oh, absolutely. So on the road, when you're by yourself, you know, you're really your own keeper. And what you learn is time management. So mm -hmm. one thing I learned that was good for me was uh, get up early, read my scriptures, and I would run on the road. Uh, I would leave the truck and I would run. Sometimes I'm in the winter. I had to work out right there in the truck. But if I didn't do that, then the rest of the day would win. Mm, and okay. it's just a catch-up game. It's just like music. Once you're off timing, you miss that first note, you're always off. Even though you might sound good, but you're always missing it. You're missing all those uh, harmonies. And so that's what I've learned. And I still work on that. And sometimes uh, that's what I like about driving on the road is I could just keep the scriptures playing. I can listen to good music. But that's really up to me, what I consume, what type of food I consume. I love that. You know, uh, Elder Bednar teaches the principle of uh, choosing to act versus being acted upon. And I like that. You're taking charge, pausing and pondering the path that you're going to take. I love how applicable that is in, in a lot of different ways of life. Thank you so much for sharing that, Tino. Diane. You know, when I think about that, I think that 
we all set goals, especially sisters in the church. We have a goal. If we are a Relief Society president, wherever we're serving, I have to visit this person and this person and this person, <laughs> and we are trying to reach that goal. But we sometimes forget the steps along the way, mm. and we are not blessed by that. And so, for an example, if I go visit a sister and I, I have to not think, I have to hurry and get out of here, I've got to be this. But I slow down and I listen and I, I um, have a relationship with that person and I grow to love that person more. And I am being blessed that way along that road to that path. I am, I am receiving so many blessings if I stop along that path and learn to love others and, and learn to, to listen. Is there a specific example of how you've strengthened a relationship with a particular uh, sister or uh, acquaintance through that process of, of, of slowing down and listening? We had a sister who was turning 100 years old. Wow. And she um, had so much knowledge and was so fun to visit. And so I told myself, I need to listen. I need to gain wisdom from this sister. And what an amazing experience it was for me to, to have that. I cherish those moments with her. And, and it was something that I had no idea who she was until I met her and sat down with her. And, and then I um, made it a point to visit her often because I don't know how long a 99-year-old is going to live. And I wanted to gain as much as that um, opportunity as I could. And so that, that's something that I'll always cherish is just taking the time to visit. Thank you so much, Diane, for sharing that with us. So as we're talking about Proverbs, can you tell us, Melissa, the connection of Proverbs and wisdom and how do we make sense of what the purpose of Proverbs really is in our decision making? Well, I think Proverbs is a really good example of how wisdom comes from different sources. And at different times, different bits of wisdom speak to us in different ways. I mean, so if the Proverbs is a, is a massive anthology of all the wise stuff that anyone ever said, when you read through Proverbs, you kind of, uh, what's the word? You get this sense of like, like you can only read so much wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. um, because you, you'll read through, you know, that's wise, that's wise, that's wise, that's wise. But the, the problem of us is not being able to recognize wisdom when we see it in a mm -hmm. book, right? It's about being able to apply it in our lives. Like that's the hard part for me. Like we all know that it's foolish to um, ignore counsel. You know, in Proverbs chapter one, verse 22, it says, how, I'm reading from my study Bible in this version. How long dupes will you love being duped and scoffers less scoffing and fools hate knowledge? No one wants to be a dupe or a scoffer or a fool. Um, but, you know, sometimes the way the world is, it's complicated and we, we, we forget and we end up doing these kinds of things. So for me, the problem isn't like noticing that Proverbs is full of wonderful bits of wisdom. But for me, it's like applying it in my own life. Oh, that was great what you said, and it really leads in perfectly to a question that one of our viewers sent in. So let's watch this video, and then I want to get your thoughts on how we can help answer the question. Hi, my name is Abraham, and I'm from Tijuana, Mexico. Here's my question. In Proverbs, we're instructed to get wisdom. What exactly is wisdom, and what can I do to gain wisdom today? Thank you. What is wisdom, and how can I gain it? So something that really stood out to me that I was excited about in these first few chapters is that I, I kept noticing this critique of being a hater of knowledge. And I, I kept thinking, who do I know that is a hater of knowledge? And I just, I couldn't think of anyone. Like, that's such a strange thing to, to like, champion. 
And so then I started thinking of the opposite. Like, what does a lover of knowledge look like? And that's easy to think mm -hmm. of, right? It looks like being curious and asking questions and being willing to change your mind. And so I think that a hater of knowledge looks something like feeling very defensive of mm -hmm. your position immediately and before you hear the other side or being unwilling right. to have a change of heart. And it felt really good to kind of try that on and ask myself, are there ways where my path might look a little bit less like a lover of knowledge because I'm so rigid in some ways? And so I loved these chapters, especially the, um, the second chapter in Proverbs. This felt like a list of ways to find wisdom. Okay. It was, and I, I actually really like the NIV translation for these few verses. So I'm going to start in verse 1 and, the, and then go all the way through 6. It talks about accepting my words, storing up commandments, turning your wisdom, applying your heart to understanding, calling out for insight, crying aloud for understanding, looking as it were for silver or for hidden treasure. And what stood out to me is that all of those things were about the seeking, that you should constantly be searching and searching. And so I, I feel like that is the answer. Where's the verse that, that says, um, oh, chapter seven, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And it, that made me kind of laugh because it was like, that's not very helpful. It's like a very <laughs> circular answer. But I get that stayed with me and I kept thinking about it and realizing that like, I think that actually is very helpful. Mm. It's not about finding a thousand answers. It's about learning discernment. I remember when my oldest daughter, the first day I picked her up from preschool, she got in the car and she started talking about monsters. And I was so appalled because I didn't teach her about monsters. And it was this realization that like she was going to lose this innocence. Like she, she spent three hours with these rambunctious little kids and they all talked about monsters. And I was so disturbed that now she knew about that and that she <laughs> talked about chasing monsters and hurting monsters. And, and I had this like really primal instinct to like protect her from that and keep her home from preschool. <laughs> like, I don't think you're ready for preschool. I'm not ready for preschool. And I think that the, I think that what Proverbs is trying to teach us is that we'll never be able to um, know in our minds all of the answers. The best we can do is learn wisdom and learn to discern. And the best mm -hmm. I can do for my daughter is teach her how to recognize what makes her feel full of light and what makes her feel dark. And that means that she's going to have to go to preschool and hear some conversations about monsters and decide if she wants to dive in and hear more about monsters or if she wants to go talk about something else, right? In that spirit, I want to share a quote by Chieko Okazaki. Sure. Um, a, a former um, member of the General Relief Society presidency um, and one of my absolutely favorite church leaders ever. She says, part of our mortal responsibility is to increase in learning and wisdom. Notice she says responsibility. Mm. We need to use the two oars of study and faith so that our boats will not be swamped by the storms of life. We need to teach our children to use these same oars. Let's encourage them to value education and to increase in learning and wisdom through study and faith. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm hearing here is, if you know, the metaphor of a boat. Um, Chiko Okazaki came from Hawaii, so she's really familiar with water and boats. And um, I actually recently traveled to the place where she was born, and there's this, this big dock where um, the big sugarcane boats would come because she and her family were sugarcane workers on a plantation in Hawaii on the big island. And um, so I can imagine like these big, um, the, the big boats would come in and um, they would uh, fill them with sugar. So she's really familiar with these images of boats and oars. And if you only row with one oar, what happens? You go, go in circles, circles <laughs> right? So, so this is the thing. Our responsibility is to use study and faith. Mm. Faith and study. You can't just like, shoot from your gut all the time and get wisdom by just like doing um, what you think God is telling you all the time. If, if there's no kind of effort that you put mm -hmm. out to reach out to other people, uh, to the scriptures, to teachings of church leaders, 
then um, it won't be enough. We'll kind of go in circles. Um, but by the same token, if we just study and we just read things and we don't um, rely on the spirit and rely on our, our moral discernment, if we just have like information and study and facts and theories, then we'll also go in circles. So because, because we are spiritual beings, right? We have our divine intelligence and that divine intelligence um, is, is too powerful to just be steered by by, you know, by kind of dry study. We need to have that spiritual element and power flowing through us as well. That was so good. I love that balance between wisdom and, and knowledge, you know, study and faith. And there's a lot more to discuss. I'm excited for the footnotes portion where we can dive in a little bit more into some of these, these verses and chapters and Psalms. But thank you so much. Thank you for the audience. This has been a really good uh, discussion on this first topic of ponder the path of thy feet. We are subject to other people's agency, and um, bad things happen to good people all the time, and we need to be able to move forward. We can't dwell on the past. We can't dwell on what could have been. We have to look forward to what can be and trust in God. Agency can cause a lot of disturbances in your life and can discourage you quite a bit, whether it be your own agency or whether it be coming from others, and that's just something you can't control. You can't control what others are going to do, but you can control how you react to those situations. When I have that struggle of disappointment with myself, I turn to the Lord and I ask to see myself through His eyes as well as others. That way I can see myself more for my potential, not for what I'm lacking. So the second topic we're gonna discuss is this sword travail hath God given, which comes from Ecclesiastes 13th verse of the first chapter. Now, it sounds, it sounds kind of obscure. This sword travail hath God given. And so to help us better understand the topic uh, before we dive into you know, some of the things we wanted to discuss, um, we're going to read. We each have a different version of the Bible. And so we're going to read from our own verse to hopefully help us better understand uh, what this is talking about. So I have the King James, and then we'll go, uh, go down the line. Chapter 1, verse 13, And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. So this is from Robert Alter's translation of the Hebrew Bible. Same verse. And I set my heart to inquire and seek through wisdom of all that is done under the sun. It is an evil business that God gave to the sons of man to busy themselves with. Okay, and I have the New International Version. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. Wow. So Melissa, how does reading all of these three versions help us better understand this topic? Well, they kind of capture this idea that life is super hard and messy. And they also capture the tone. The tone of Proverbs is kind of like, keep the commandments in this their safety and peace. But the tone of, of Ecclesiastes, it, it acknowledges the negative hard parts of life a lot more. Mm. And in that sense, it's a kind of contrast, striking contrast to the kind of more conventional books of wisdom, which says, you know, if you are righteous, you will prosper. If you keep the commandments, you will live a long life or something like that. For me personally, um, I was super bitter when I got cancer and I was like, why? And so for me, the book of Ecclesiastes at this time was super comforting mm. because it, it kind of says, you know, life is, is tricky and the wicked often prosper. 
And fools often do really well. And people who have worked really hard to do all the right things, time and chance happens to them all. And that's like the definition of cancer, right? Like a, a group of cells that kind of randomly go off and be crazy and then just destroy your life. And so in those kinds of situations, you do say, this is a sore travail. And, and you think, um, life is really hard. I think we all experience those phases of growth in our life. And if we don't recognize them as growth, <clears throat> it's terrifying. And I think the gift of disorder is that you are left with a kind of flat-on-your-back humility that I think Proverbs was actually talking about when it, when it talks about the fear of the Lord. And that is the launching pad to, to actual growth. And so I think it's healthy to get to this place where we're like, I don't know anything and life feels meaningless because we have nothing to hold on to or push against. And then we experience this really profound openness. You have to believe that you have something to learn and that's what disorder gives us. And then slowly we begin to reorder. And for me, that looked like, I think in the order stage, I would have probably expressed faith as a really specific list of beliefs I would affirm. And I felt like as I started to reorder, faith looked a lot more like a deep intuitive trust. And it was, it was harder to explain logically, but it was something that was so solid, it could not have been displaced. Is that the goal? Is that we're looking towards a better outcome while we're in the travail? I think that's a great point. And, um, and that's such a striking insight of, of, of Eve from mm -hmm. our theological understanding mm -hmm. of her as um, within the restoration tradition. And um, it also talks, it speaks to um, the teachings of Lehi how there has to be opposition mm -hmm. in all things. Okay. And um, when Aubrey was talking, I was thinking, you know, um, I've had experiences like that too. And in those situations where you, when you kind of lose your faith, um, like, oh my gosh, maybe God doesn't exist. And you realize that when you having had that thought, then have faith in God existing, that's real faith. If it's right. never a possibility right. that God could never ever exist, that's actually not quite the same thing as faith. It's, a, it's an assumption yeah. or something like that. You're um, compelled, yeah. If you were compelled to believe then there's, and there's no choice, then how is that faith? Right, but the comfort is that we're not the first people to have this, this question. This is a centuries, millennia old text um, in a book that is a faith book, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so I think that helps us, under, it gives us a perspective yeah. on, on the value of those kinds of questions and getting, and when life takes us to these dark places, um, because there's nothing inherently wrong with dark. Um, dark is a part of the, 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 you know, the, the condition that God has given us. Dark can be beautiful and it can give us wisdom. Yeah. I love that. Um, I wanna ask the audience and get your thoughts on this. How have you learned and grown through some of the sore travails that God has given you? Krista? Um, my family has gone through a lot of things. And so I've grown up in that kind of um, environment where we've just had constant trial after trial and so many afflictions. And so hearing about Ecclesiastes and it seems as though God is unfair sometimes, it really, it really does kind of make sense to a lot of people that they really truly feel that way. And it really is such a simple thing that we think, you know, oh yeah, trust in God mm -hmm. and everything will go right. But a lot of the times, it's not quite simple like that. And then we get disappointed thinking, well, if I'm supposed to trust in God, then why is this happening to me? But whenever we have these sorts of trials, I've found that when I completely 100% submit to God, and it's after a bit of time, you know, after a little bit of wailing and 
um, praying, saying, why, why? But it's after that, I get over that phase. And I think if it's happening, then there's a reason. God has control over all of our lives. And so if this is happening to me, there is a reason. There's something I need to learn myself, or maybe this is an experience to help somebody else in the future. But either way, I need to just submit to him completely and say, if this is what you want for me, then I accept it wholeheartedly. And in those times in my life when I've actually prayed with that feeling in my heart and I feel it, that's actually when my trials have changed. Krista, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm, I'm interested in, you said that when, when you pray, you get that feeling in your heart. What does that feel like for you? It's, it's a feeling of, of acceptance of okay. when you finally come and just see the whole picture, you have a different perspective. You just have a fuller perspective about, about it all. Instead of being so inside yourself and thinking, why is this happening to me? But looking at it, at it from maybe God's perspective. And then when you have that kind of perspective, you just don't think so small as like, why is this happening to me? And you're not looking inward as much and you just see the bigger picture. And so that kind of a feeling just creates acceptance and peace for me. Thank you so much. Are there examples that we can look at where we can say, okay, yes, God gave me, because a lot of people, we do say that, that God gave us his trial. The first thought that came to my mind was um, life. You know, we, the life is so valuable with childbirth and the way that it was set up is there's some, mm. uh, of course, I'm gonna defer to, to the mothers here, but there are some difficult moments of travail that, that happen through that childbirth process before this beautiful gift of life is, is presented to us. Do you find any connection with this idea of the travail that God gives us through uh, the, the gift of life? Well, all, that's the thing is that in that sense, our travails are a gift because all mm. life is a gift. Like we said, um, when we, we believe in the, in the pre-existence, when we said, yes, we will go down to this world where there's gonna be tornadoes and earthquakes and, and genocide and people who abuse their power, um, when we made that choice, it said that we, we shouted for joy mm. because there's something so precious about being able to have life and have a body. And, and you know, bodies, bodies betray us all the time, <laughs> right? And they, they break down and, and they, they mess up and they, you know, make us, like you can like feel the flesh of chemicals when you get mad. Like I can totally like feel like myself, like my, I'm like starting to see red and like, I feel like this hot flesh and I like, then I yell at my kids. Um, <laughs> But, but you know, that, our bodies are a gift. Mm -hmm. so, so the whole thing is a gift. The whole mm -hmm. existence is a gift. Um, but sometimes we, we think um, when, when we're doing something hard, it's, it's hard to think of it that way. Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't feel like a gift. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that's okay, because like, that's the whole point. Like if we didn't feel miserable, we wouldn't know how to feel joyful and comfortable and peaceful. Yeah. So. And I, the other thing I really like about that idea is that I love the, this idea that God is the, is the alchemist of, our, of these trials that we just are inevitably going to bump up into. And so when we start with God gave us life and, and if God's purpose is to redeem us, then I think these little like mundane things that we have to do during the day are really can be a doorway to our connection to God. So we have four kids and I feel like sometimes my to-do list, I have the the things that are really important to me that I just feel like that would be so awesome if I had an hour of like quiet where I could like think big thoughts and write and, and read all of these books that are 
like the stack is getting higher and higher and <laughs> I just need to get through this list and I've got to do some returns and some laundry and get the dishes loaded. And sometimes I don't get through the dumb list before I go to bed. And so that can be really frustrating. But I think that if we can practice acceptance, even in the mundane, those things all by themselves can really be a doorway to connection. And, and I think that this kind of calls back to Proverbs too, that we can always find God on our path. God's not waiting for us at the end of the path. Like it is mm. the walking that where we really experience God. And that means that I can have some stillness while my hands are wet, bathing a kid or washing some dishes and, and can have like a real moment of connection in the mundane of this life that God gave me. How does our understanding of these two different voices from Proverbs and Ecclesiastes help us with our Bible study? Alex. It gives us some variation to help us understand things a little more. It gives us more perspectives. How do you think that can help you in your everyday life when you're making decisions? Well, maybe different perspectives can apply to different things. He's such a wise young man. I'm so impressed with him. Alex, thank you so much. Uh, we had another comment from Christina. It helps me to have faith in a loving Heavenly Father who has a plan and is wanting to teach me, um, to give me wisdom and knowledge through both experiences and um, progress through spiritual experiences and through challenges. Um, knowing that our Savior Jesus Christ is there to wipe away our tears at the end if it isn't worked out in this life. Thank you, Christina. Is there something specific that comes to your mind as you think about going through some of these challenges and how you've learned and grown through that process? I'm blessed to work in the healthcare field with hospice and um, deal with a lot of people who are preparing to assist a loved one at the end of their life. And there's just so much to know about Heavenly Father's plan that all of our experiences here on this earth are preparing us for that time. Christina, I really like what you said. It reminds me of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 17. And, and here I think we, we see the author of Ecclesiastes, though having said, you know, everything is meaningless at a certain point, at this point, says, I said in my heart, the just man and the wicked God will judge, for there is a time for every matter and every deed he assesses. And I love that because um, I think Ecclesiastes is saying the world is not fair, the world of people is not fair, but, um, but God sees everything and every person will stand before God to be judged for their works and for what they've accomplished in terms of becoming more like our Heavenly Mother and our Heavenly Father. And that accountability is eternal and um, no one can run from that and we can all hope for that as well as a source of ultimate justice. What great comments, and I'm excited to jump into footnotes and talk more about these things, but this has been a great discussion on our second topic, This Sword Travail Hath God Given. What I've learned today is that it really is quite a nice feeling having the Spirit guiding your thoughts and your words when you decide to share your inspirations. I learned that um, not only do we all learn and experience the Spirit differently, but, you know, doesn't matter how old you are. You can be an 11-year-old boy and have profound experiences and knowledge. The Spirit taught me that the Lord loves His children. 
and that He will help us through um, gaining knowledge and wisdom by His Spirit and also as we traverse this life and whatever challenges that we have. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. All right, well, I'm excited to get back into some of these topics uh, from Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Um, I wanted to start out with, uh, there's a, uh, as we're talking about Proverbs and, and wisdom, in chapter four of Proverbs, it reads, wisdom is the principal thing. And I love that. Um, I've read a lot on um, Stephen Covey, a lot of his work. And something he says is the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> so this, this pursuit of wisdom I think is really important because it, it shouldn't be situational. Well, I'm going to be wise in this situation and then I'm going to act like an idiot in this situation. So let's talk about that, the pursuit of wisdom in life in general. You guys okay with that? Yeah. So I, I feel like the pattern that really leaps off the page for me is that wisdom is what, is what wisdom looks like. Okay. And, you know, I think I recognize it in people I know who I think are wise, but I, I like that um, Proverbs sort of lays out like symptoms, positive symptoms of wisdom, like what, what you can't help but do if you are wise. And, and to me, it's all about asking. So the whole beginning of chapter two is, is about inclining your ear you apply your heart to understanding. You cry after knowledge. You lift your voice for understanding. And then I really like in, in um, verse 4, it says, If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. And I, I love, I think that's a great metaphor because, you know, silver out of the ground looks like a sooty rock. It, it's not like this beautiful gleaming diamond that you wear on your hand, you know? And, and so I like this idea that, that wisdom is searching. And I think that if that's our mentality, if we're always searching, then, that, then we're on this path. Of wisdom, which is fun. and which is interesting too, I think, because I think a lot of times our insecurity might be that we don't know the answer, okay. and so I feel like this really like turns everything upside down. It, wisdom isn't always knowing the answer. In fact, that's the what does it say always like that's the folly, that's thinking that you always know is is the opposite of wisdom. Wisdom looks like asking and being curious and and constantly seeking. Patience. Do you think is there a patience oh, that definitely. comes with seeking wisdom? And, right, and just yeah. believing that you've never arrived. Like, whatever you know, you can add to that knowledge. I like that. And in fact, uh, in the first chapter, yeah, a wise man will hear. You know, just this idea of listening and learning as opposed to constantly trying to... Yeah, and we'll increase learning. It's that right out. A wise man will hear and will increase learning forever. (laughs) I love it. I like the, the tradition that we have in the Restoration. Okay. We talk about the 13th article of faith, how we seek after all good things. Mm how we seek after truth. I like how um, a teaching of Joseph Smith who said, the restoration embraces all truth. Okay. Wherever it can be found. Mm. And he was, you know, Joseph Smith was a very ambitious person. Uh, so like the, the scope of his learning was very ambitious. You know, he was learning foreign languages when the kind of city code for Nauvoo was established. Um, he made it clear that he wanted, um, you know, Muslims, for example, to feel completely comfortable in Nauvoo. So he was thinking, you know, past. There weren't a lot of Muslims in America at the time, but he, he was thinking just about everyone, right? In this very broad kind of world scale mm-hmm. about other traditions. So I just love how um, in our Latter-day Saint tradition, we are authorized um, to seek truth wherever we can find it. Joseph Smith was fearless in his kind of amalgamation mm-hmm. of good ideas and true things. I love that. Do you think as members of the church that we always catch on to that? Because I think I feel like sometimes we can have this tendency, well, if it didn't come from 
the brethren, then I'm not going to study it or read it. Can we go a little too far in that where we only focus on, and do you think that happens today? I think it's a, like what Aubrey was talking about, like it's not listening or, or thinking that we have wisdom when we have a little tiny bit of wisdom. Um, I think we can be a little humble about our tradition. I'm so proud to be a Latter-day Saint, and I think we have so much to, to share but I don't think that I don't have anything to learn. Mm. Um, so the Latter-day Saints, if you counted every single person on our rolls who's alive, we would add up to about 0.02% of the world's population. So there's got to be a lot of stuff out there in that 99.98%. Right. Right? <laughs> I mean, in Section 88, it talks about seeking out the best books, yes. you know, words of wisdom. Right, and then, and then that, that same section, let's just turn to it right now. In Doctrine and Covenant Section 88, God says to the saints, teach ye diligently and my grace shall attend you that you may be instructed more perfectly in theory and principle and doctrine in the law of the gospel in all things that pertain unto the kingdom of God that are expedient for you to understand. That's like pretty big. Mm -hmm. And then God goes on to say of things both in heaven and in the earth and under the earth. So I'm thinking like geology and mm -hmm. geothermal energy systems and stuff like that. Things which have been history, things which are, things which must shortly come to pass things which are at home, things which are abroad, the wars and the perplexities of the nations and the judgments which are on the land, and a knowledge of countries and of kingdoms, that ye may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again to magnify the calling whereunto I have called you. So being able to fulfill our callings and magnify our callings and, and do the work that God wants us to do in life is dependent on our sense of responsibility and diligently seeking out all these different kinds of wisdom. I love that. I when I'm thinking more about that Joseph Smith quote that you mentioned, and, and my favorite one, and maybe this is the same one, where he, he actually calls it a grand fundamental truth of our, of our religion, or right. a grand fundamental principle. Right, and see the whole thing. You remember it it's something. It's like a, a, a grand fundamental principle of Mormonism is that we receive truth, let it come from whence it may. And so that to me feels like not only just yeah. like it's permission, it's an imperative. Like we really should be seeking. We should be asking. I mean, I think there is this stigma sometimes that it feels like we're tiptoeing around things outside of our mm -hmm. tradition. And I don't know where that comes from because it definitely didn't come from Joseph Smith. I think that we are meant to be really expansive and we're meant to, to um, you know, broaden our stakes as wide as we can and gather up everything that is delicious. And and I think that our, our litmus test for that is what Jesus says, that we'll, we'll recognize it by its fruits. And I, I have had that experience over and over, reading other holy books and, you, and in conversation with people in and out of our tradition who have different experiences, you can feel your body light up and resonate when something feels delicious. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's a really good way to start to notice wisdom that's outside of your, of your and, own experience. And, and one example that I think that speaks to that is using other versions of the Bible. You know, uh, we've oh, gotten yeah. so uh, fixated on the King James Version because that's what we're used to that it almost felt like, oh, I don't know if I can quote from this, but here we have two perfect examples of, you know, using other versions that, that fall in line with this idea of, look, seek out learning from whatever source it comes, because there's a lot that we can learn from out, out there. Well, that it teach us through the footnotes about the languages that we don't speak mm -hmm. and about the cultures that we don't live in so that we can understand what the text of the scripture is saying. And that actually, um, you know, the, and just, just thinking about like the King James Version is the only true version of the Bible, that mindset is like very Anglo-centric as well. Because most right. of the members of the church um, don't speak English mm -hmm. as a first language. That's a great point. And we have um, all these other versions that we use, like the French version, I think is an early 20th century version. Um, the Spanish version is much more like the kind of modern versions than like the King James Version. 
There's, um, you know, the Portuguese version, the Chinese version. All There's all these different versions of Bibles that Latter-day Saints around the world use. Mm-hmm. So when we English-speaking Latter-day Saints say like, oh no, it can only be King James. That's just, that's just not true. That's great. And yeah, and it, it really shows how small we as Latter-day Saints are in the world perspective. There's so much goodness that exists. Mm-hmm. So as we're constantly in this pursuit of wisdom and, and dealing with others, as we're talking about different points of view, how does grace factor into the pursuit of wisdom. So one thing that comes to mind for me is I think um, we've we've talked a little bit about the this um, wisdom as a growth, okay. and I think if we think back to Ecclesiastes, like there are there are dark parts of developing wisdom, mm-hmm. and I think that once we totally accept that in ourselves, it makes us able to really recognize that in someone else. And when you see that and it and you know what they're how that feels, like you are able to give them so much grace because you know that they are suffering mm-hmm. so deeply. And and I and and it I think that's just a um I think that's a good practice. Like what to be asking yourself like what could they be feeling that makes them feel this desperate to act okay. this way, you know? Yeah. Like they must be they must be that they must be having that hard of a time that this is how it shows up. And and I think when we can recognize that in ourselves, then we we really are able to give that more freely to other people. Well, I love how what Aubrey said makes us think about the role of experience, right? And experience gives us confidence and confidence gives us grace. And it makes me think about this quote by Confucius from the Confucian tradition. It says, at 30, I took my stand. At 40, I no longer had doubts. At 50, I knew the will of the heavens. At 60, my ear was attuned. At 70, I could follow all the desires of my heart without breaking any rule. So what this is doing is it's taking through like different stages of life. So like when we're young, we're like, I'm gonna take a stand. You know, I'm gonna like, Mm -hmm. um, you have this kind of uh, really kind of concrete approach to things and like what's right, what's wrong. I'm Mm -hmm. gonna stand right here. Um, And as you go older, you you have, um, you deal with doubts. Um, you kind of start to think about how the world works more generally, like, you know, the will of the heavens, mm-hmm. kind of like what Ecclesiastes is talking about. Um, and then when you get, when you have more experience, uh, he says, at, 50, at 60, my ear was attuned. Mm. So wow. he the could listen. Listening, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, and, and kind of observe more, right? The, the ear is like an observatory um, instrument. Um, at 70, I could follow all the desires of my heart without breaking any rules. So at a certain point, we internalize what we've learned. And that's when I think, you know, we, we have grace. We have confidence and, and we have grace. And we're able to, like you said, like having experienced hard things, we're able to be more gracious to people who who, who are clearly going through hard things. And if, if we haven't had those experiences, um, then we just, you know, we have a much more immature reaction, like a, right. um, I'm taking my stand and you're on the other side of that, <laughs> right. you know? But, um, right. but experience uh, is our teacher. And, and again, that's like God's plan. Mm-hmm. What God has given us is a world where these hard things happen, where mm-hmm. these random things happen, where we have to kind of learn to roll with punches and, um, and respond nimbly. So how do we, as we, as we talk about these words of wisdom, the importance of, of obtaining wisdom, you know, talking about different views that we have from people. We can be so harsh sometimes. So how does the obtaining of wisdom help us in our view of others and the, the, the grace that we offer to others and trying to understand their point of view as well? Hmm. I mean, I think that um, maybe one of the fruits of believing that you have all the truth and the only truth is that it, it, 
I'm not sure you can really believe that without feeling like some sense of pride, like feeling like in any conversation, you are the one who has answers to offer. And so I think that letting this idea settle over you that that someone else might have truth that mm. you don't understand yet, that, that gives you this kind of humility that makes you able to really connect with your siblings. I, and I, I think that's really important. And I'm not sure it's possible when you are sure that you have the upper hand and that you need to teach them something. So, so like really believing that someone else has something to offer just opens the doorway to connection. And in my experience, that kind of connection between people is really what makes me feel connected to God. So I was thinking about this the other day and I thought, um, you know, so I, I thought about like my platform of things. Okay. Like everyone has their own platform, right? Like uh -huh. if you could like remake the world, you would do this, 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 this. Yeah. And the people who are ruining the world are the people who do this, 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 right? Okay. Like we all mm -hmm. have our, our platform. Mm -hmm. So then I thought like, what are the possibilities that my platform is like 100% correct? If, if, if I was like given in charge of, I, yeah. if they, you know, if they made me in charge of the world, what, what are the probabilities that I would be right in like all of my prescriptions okay. for everything? They're pretty low, right? <laughs> those pro those problems are pretty low. So like, so pro it's most likely that, you know, I'm like right about maybe one thing. But like <laughs> probably on basically everything else, someone else has got a better answer. Just, yeah. just, but like, but the way that we live our lives, mm -hmm. we're always trying, we're always saying like, should, you should, they should, yeah. that person should, you know? Right. We're yeah. always like prescribing for other people. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but actually like, like you said, the, it's, it's much more, we'll be much more open to wisdom if we stop like prescribing for other people yeah. and, and are able to listen to people. Yes. So I'd love to share something from the Quran that this feels just so relevant to this conversation right now. Michael Wilcox pointed this out once and I, I have just, I've thought about this a lot and I think this is really helpful, especially right now in this like super polarized mm. situation. It says, for each of you, we have ordained a law and assigned a path. Had God pleased, he could have made of you but one community, but it is his wish to prove you by that which he has given you. Vie with each other in good works. To God shall you all return, and he will resolve your differences for you. And I just like, I like thinking about that. Like, what if being right is actually a big, huge distraction? Mm. Like, what if the real goal is for us to, to be good? To, be, right. to do as much good as we can. And maybe this idea that who, who is the rightest, who has the most truth, like maybe that is not always fruitful. And I think sometimes it becomes a lot about our ego and it's not fruitful anymore. And what actually is fruitful is that there is difference because it forces, it, it gives you, um, you know, some tension. Like it gives you something to work against. What is redemptive about the church is that we have to show up and be with people who we disagree with and it's really, really hard sometimes. And that's the most redemptive <laughs> thing. Like that's the, that's the best thing for growth. No sickness, no medicine. So the medicine is compassion. Um, and the sickness is the people, you know, the, the human kind of struggles that we have. And, and we don't have, from a certain point of view, when we're in Sunday school talking about love and charity, that's actually not, exercising love and charity. Mm -hmm. It's only love and charity when it's hard. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I so love from that. that point of view, the things, the people at church um, who like drive you crazy or, or the people on your Facebook or social media feed who say difficult things, those are the relationships that are the most precious yeah. in your life in terms of becoming like the Savior and loving as a Savior does. I love what you said is those are the moments where you can exercise compassion when you're 
brought up against somebody who has a different point of view mm -hmm. uh, than yours. Right, well, and, and what, what I'd, I guess I'd like to explicitly address is from a, from a certain kind of like high-minded perspective, um, the mm. church is always falling short. Okay. Because the people in the church are always falling short. Mm. We, we are not the best, most perfect people in the world. I have no idea who they are. Mm -hmm. But like, when I look around at me and my family and, and like everyone in my ward and everyone in the church who I've ever met, like no one is perfect like Jesus. Mm -hmm. and so some people say, well, um, I, I cannot stand the people at church. I can't deal with this hypocrisy or I can't deal with this, you know, these, these horrible political views, which I know are just kind of contrary to the gospel as I understand it. Mm -hmm. So there's like no place for me here. But, but I would argue that's exactly the place where you could have the most growth. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. And, and where like that's exactly the place for compassion because no sickness, no medicine. You know, as Latter-day Saints, we don't choose and yeah, I wanna, this, I'm gonna choose to go to church with, with only these types of people. You know, you're placed in a ward based off of your geographical boundary. And among that boundary, there are going to be a lot of different points of view in which you have to try to find that unity and love that should exist among a specific congregation. In the Book of Mormon talks a lot about uh, this word remember. Um, and how important it is to remember these teachings. And I feel like with Proverbs, you get these little nuggets, these little reminders that, you know, for example, if there's something you don't like, I'm gonna trust in the Lord. You know mm -hmm. what, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna trust in the Lord with all my heart. And so do you feel like there is value in having some of these memorized, whether they're from the scriptures or just Proverbs in general, and if so, what are some of your favorite Proverbs that you have stuck ingrained in your brain that have helped you out through your life? So this is a newer one for me, but it just feels so relevant right now that it, it, it keeps coming to mind. In the, in the first chapter where we're learning about what, uh, back to haters of knowledge, anti-wisdom, it's the opposite of wisdom, that that looks like, like enjoying your simple ways, loving your simple ways, and, and it says mockers delight in mockery. And, and as mean-spirited as that sound, I feel like all through the day, stuff like that will come up where I just want to like roll my eyes at someone <laughs> or maybe a more common one is like feeling dismissive of somebody else's opinion because I feel like I know better. And, and so this is really giving me pause. And, and it reminds me that in that moment where I feel that kind of constriction, where I feel like I, I know better and I'm, I'm quietly, um, I mean, it really is mocking. It's, it's mocking somebody else's experience and, and the way they're choosing to live out their values even. I think that um, what this is reminding me to do is just to pause and, and choose a wisdom path instead. And that always looks like openness. It looks like looking for more understanding. It, it looks like asking questions instead of lecturing or talking behind someone's back. And it feels like there, there's almost always that choice. Like you can assume you know more and not say anything or assume you know more and tell someone so. Or you can pause and, and like really experience that fear of the Lord and like that really deep humility and, and try to understand something. And I feel like it's one of the most valuable things that happens at church, that you can really disagree with someone and then love them so much, like mm -hmm. make funeral food together. <laughs> and like you, your heart has to open up to them. Like you, you, can't, you can't be so sure that you're right when you've served together and you value that person really, like you really, really value that person. Then suddenly there's space that opens up a little bit and you trust that maybe there is something I can learn from them. And I feel like that is like wisdom in a nutshell, just like choosing to expand and add to your knowledge and trust that you don't know it all. 
and that multidimensionality of what happens of a relationship when you've spent time with them. Yeah. And you've seen how they are with children, and you've seen how they are when they're cleaning, yeah. and you've seen all these different things, then you can kind of um, see how like their political views or whatever mm -hmm. um, are just like one tiny part of who they are. And you see yeah. like them in all mm -hmm. of their different dimensions. Yeah. And, and multidimensional perspectives is another aspect of wisdom. I love that. Thank you. Before we wrap up, do you have a favorite uh, proverb that you have memorized or that you well, sticks I, with you? I like what you um, advocate for memorizing scriptures because, you know, in the information age, we don't have to, it used to be the only way to learn was to memorize, mm. right? Mm. Before books. Okay. Um, and even after books, before the internet and before smartphones and, and those <laughs> kinds of things, you had to kind of store a lot more information in your head. And now we don't have to do that. But then like the... The, this, the way that we're impoverished now is we don't have a lot of things that are stored mm. in our head. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the great things about Proverbs and probably why they were passed down over time is because they're so pithy. They're right. like one-liners yeah. yeah. you can carry um, anywhere. And so um, the one that I, that I love is everyone loves a scripture, you know, Proverbs <laughs> 3, 5. But, you know, it came to me in a time of need and because it was so well-known and because it was in my head, um, when I was doing some like medical scans, and I don't know if you have you ever had CAT scans? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're naked, it's cold, you're like under this little thin medical gown, um, they put you on this high thing and they run you through this big tube. And um, in addition to this, for, for this one, I had to be like blown full of air. <laughs> so in order to like get a big, good picture, so it's like super uncomfortable, it's really painful. And, and also uh, very undignified. So I was just like, and oh, this is not, a, that are going not on. a good experience yeah. for me. Um, but then uh, I thought about trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not under thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And just the kind of cadence of it, I said it over and over in my mind, and it just calmed me and it helped me um, get my heart rate down and my breathing more aligned, and and it like got me through this super painful experience. But so 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 I think we should memorize scriptures because mm -hmm. it's it's something that once it's in your mind, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't go away, and you have it there whenever you need it. And uh, Elder Scott talks about them, you know, being friends, dear friends that you can mm -hmm. constantly mm -hmm. reference. Thank you both for uh, your comments and your experiences, your testimonies uh, during this discussion. Uh, as we've talked about our two topics, ponder the path of thy feet and this sore travail hath God given. Thank you very much. And thank you all at home for joining us. We want to constantly remind you to follow through on any prompting or feeling that you may have had throughout this episode. Please join us again next week for another episode of Come Follow Up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.